Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's edition of the Albany Update. While a Texas pro-life bill dominated much of the news last week, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is promising a vote on a pro-abortion bill when Congress returns from its break. Today, we'll tell you more about that legislation. Then, the New York State Department of Health took an action last week that means private businesses will be implementing stronger COVID protocols in their places of employment. It doesn't seem like we'll be putting those face masks away anytime soon. Continuing on the theme of COVID mandates, the beginning of the new school year meant new mandates for schools, and one Western New York school is pushing back. Speaking of back to school, we'll tell you about a resource that will help families protect their children from false ideologies and worldviews that are not consistent with a family's faith. Finally, the November general election isn't that far off. Most aren't aware, but there will be five proposed amendments in the 2021 ballot. We'll provide some information on those proposals. Let's get started. The Texas heartbeat law that went into effect on September 1st has saved many precious lives and has sent shockwaves throughout the abortion industry. By barring abortions from being performed when a fetal heartbeat can be detected, the Texas heartbeat law effectively bans abortion following the sixth week of pregnancy. At that stage of a pregnancy, pregnant moms may not yet know that they are pregnant. In a USA Today op-ed, one Texas abortion clinic doctor lamented that the past few days have been perhaps the most devastating for abortion care in nearly 50 years. Beginning on September 1st, Planned Parenthood's Texas affiliates began turning away abortion patients in compliance with the new law. While some abortion-minded Texans may sadly seek abortion in adjoining states, others may reconsider their decisions and choose life due to the unavailability of the abortion procedure. According to the New York Times, one pro-life pregnancy center director in Texas said that the phones had been ringing off the hook at her office. While the heartbeat bill could still be thrown out in court, untold numbers of unborn lives will be saved as long as the bill remains in effect. This is cause for great thanksgiving. Of course, the Texas heartbeat law has provoked a fierce backlash from the abortion industry and its allies. President Joe Biden, who contends that he personally opposes abortion while doing everything in his power to maintain its legality and availability, has called the heartbeat law almost un-American. The Biden administration has sued the state of Texas in an effort to have the heartbeat law thrown out. Furthermore, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has declared that she will bring H.R. 3755, the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, to the House floor for a vote, after the House reconvenes on September 20th. The Women's Health Protection Act is an abortion expansion bill that would maintain the availability of pre-viability abortions in the event that Roe v. Wade and related cases were overturned by the Supreme Court. The act would go beyond existing court precedents by barring various pro-life policies such as pre-abortion waiting periods, ultrasound laws, informed consent laws, and restrictions on pill abortions and telemedicine abortions. While the Women's Health Protection Act would appear to have no chance of passing the U.S. Senate under current rules regarding 60 votes to break a filibuster, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York's 14th Congressional District, has called upon the Senate to eliminate the filibuster in the hope that doing so would facilitate the passage of the bill. 
According to the Congresswoman, Democrats can either abolish the filibuster and expand the court, or do nothing as millions of people's bodies, rights, and lives are sacrificed for a far-right minority rule. This shouldn't be a difficult decision. Well, at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, we rejoice at the lives being saved due to the Texas heartbeat law. We call on New York's congressional delegation to vote against the Women's Health Protection Act, and we call upon the U.S. Senate to keep the filibuster rule in place. Next up, in early September, the New York State Department of Health declared that COVID-19 is a highly contagious disease that presents a serious risk to public health. By issuing this declaration, the DOH was not simply stating the obvious. Rather, it was making a certification that triggered certain provisions of the New York Health and Essential Rights Act, known as the New York Hero Act for short. It was signed into law on May 5th of this year, and the New York Hero Act required New York businesses to prepare workplace safety plans. Now that COVID-19 has been declared to be a serious health risk, employers must implement those workplace safety plans. Those plans include providing staff with personal protective equipment, making sure that there is sufficient space to allow workers to practice social distancing, and creating workplace health and safety committees. While some New Yorkers believe that the New York Hero Act places costly and burdensome mandates on small businesses and opens the door to unnecessary lawsuits, others take the view that the law's requirements will help protect workers from the coronavirus and help unemployed New Yorkers feel that it is safe to return to work. Of particular concern to employers is a provision within the law that allows employees to sue employers for violations of safety standards. The penalty is up to $20,000 per violation. There is a 30-day cure period before any litigation could commence, allowing employers time to implement plans. However, there will be a strong financial incentive for workplaces to align with the state's COVID protocols. Lohud.com reports, the new law also provides anti-retaliation protections for employees, including those who report unsafe working conditions or refuse to work due to unreasonable COVID-19 risks in violation of the measure. For more information on the requirements of the New York Hero Act, you can visit the website of the New York State Department of Labor. And speaking of mandates, last week I commented on Governor Kathy Hochul's back-to-school plans in regard to COVID-19 prevention, including the implementation of a universal mask requirement. This week there is more back-to-school news. On September 2nd, Governor Hochul announced that the New York State Department of Health had released an emergency regulation requiring that school personnel undergo weekly COVID-19 tests if they have not been vaccinated against the coronavirus. The regulation applies to all schools in the state of New York, and it requires schools to offer screening testing for any teachers and staff at least once a week, and to provide diagnostic testing for any student, teacher, or staff member who is symptomatic or has been exposed to someone infected with COVID-19. Violations may be fined in an amount of up to $1,000. Further information on this regulation is available on our website in a related article. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms has concerns about the impact of the new regulation upon Christian schools. First, we believe that the state of New York should not intrude into the operation of private schools, but should leave these schools free to set their own rules and health and safety protocols. Private schools are just that, private, 
not public entities. Second, we believe that state-created vaccine testing mandates for faith-based school teachers, most of whom have spiritual as well as academic roles, infringe upon religious liberty. How can it be permissible for a Sunday school teacher to lead her class on Sunday morning, but impermissible for the same teacher to teach her class on Monday morning, simply because she refuses a COVID vaccination? Third, we are concerned about whether Christian schools will receive financial assistance in implementing the state's vaccine testing mandate. If not, this will just be another one of Albany's unfunded mandates. On a related note, on September 7th, the Christian Central Academy in Williamsville, New York, sued the state of New York in Erie County, asking that the state's in-school masking mandate be removed. The school, which spent significant funds on an air filtration system to promote student health and safety during the pandemic, contends that approximately one-quarter of its students would no longer attend the school due to the mandate. The school also argues that the mask mandate is arbitrary and lacks a statutory base. The school's case will be heard on September 14th. And speaking of back to school, as school-aged children return to classes this fall, Christian parents, especially parents with children in public schools, face a potential minefield of challenging issues. In addition to the continuing battle with the COVID-19 pandemic and its Delta variant, Christian parents must be on their guard to prevent schools from brainwashing or bullying their children into accepting ideologies that are at odds with Christianity. Is this an exaggeration? Well, consider the following possibilities. Schools presenting children with comprehensive sex education, beginning in kindergarten, that trains children to view premarital sex, homosexual behavior, and transgenderism as normal and healthy. School personnel forbidding students from forming a Bible club. Schools allowing students to cross-dress and use opposite-sex names at school, and keeping parents in the dark about their children's transgender behavior. Schools allowing Planned Parenthood to indoctrinate students about sexuality and reproduction. Teachers reading children's books about homosexuality and transgenderism to young children. Schools requiring girls to share restroom and locker room facilities with biological males who identify as transgender, or to compete against biological males in sports, or schools facilitating contraceptive access for students. Friends, each of these scenarios can happen in American schools. In some schools, some of these scenarios are routine occurrences. To equip parents to address these challenging situations, Family Policy Alliance and Focus on the Family have developed a helpful resource entitled Back to School for Parents. The resource is described as a busy parent's guide to what's happening in your children's classrooms and practical steps you can take to protect them. Back to School for Parents covers concerns that may arise in the context of instruction, school health, and counseling services, sports teams, and student organizations, among other areas. On each topic, Back to School for Parents offers Christian parents specific guidance on how to respectfully and effectively advocate for their children. You can visit our website for more information and to download your free copy of Back to School for Parents today. And finally today, on November 2nd, New York voters will elect candidates to various judgeships and local offices, including Mayor of New York City. They will also vote on five proposed amendments to the New York State Constitution. And while these five ballot measures may not receive as much media attention as political campaigns do, 
they may have a greater impact on the future of the Empire State. This commentary will provide an overview of the five proposed amendments. Proposal 1 would overhaul New York's redistricting process. Every 10 years following the national census, New York's congressional, state senate, and state assembly districts are redrawn. In 2014, voters passed a constitutional amendment that substantially changed the redistricting process. Now, before that process has even been used, the legislature is pushing for a new set of changes. Why? It seems clear that the purpose behind Proposal 1 is to make the redistricting process less independent and cause the majority to have unfettered control of it. Proposal 2 would amend the New York State Constitution to provide that each person shall have a right to clean air, water, and a healthful environment. We take no position in Proposal 2. Proposal 3 would remove the requirement that a voter wishing to vote in an election be registered to vote at least 10 days prior to that election. The passage of Proposal 3 would allow the legislature to pass a law allowing voters to register less than 10 days before a given election. In fact, it would open the door to the passage of a same-day voter registration law. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms calls for a no vote on Proposal 3. Proposal 4 would allow no-excuse absentee balloting in New York. We call for a no vote on Proposal 4. Proposal 5 would expand the jurisdiction of the New York City Civil Court. We take no position in Proposal 5, but all of this information is available on our website at albanyupdate.com. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update, or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.